Get ready for universe-spanning crises as we take a look at Crisis on Multiple Earths, Volume 2, straight ahead. Welcome to the Classy Comics Podcast, where we search for the best comics in the universe. From Boise, Idaho, here is your host, Adam Graham. During the Silver Age of DC Comics, as we discussed in another episode, uh, a multiverse was established to exist, with, uh, particularly in the beginning, there being Earth-1, which was the home of the ongoing main DC Universe characters. Uh, and then there was Earth 2, a parallel Earth with many similarities and a very similar history, but with Golden Age heroes, including Golden Age versions of Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, who fought in World War II and contained the DC's Golden Age characters, including the Justice Society of America. As part of this multiverse, those universes crossed over time and time again. It was an actually an annual tradition. For more than 20 years, there were annual crossovers between these two universes, as adventures would begin on one Earth and ultimately lead to adventures on the other or onto an Earth unrelated to either of the two. I'm going to take a look at some crossovers from late in the Silver Age. These are from 1967 to 1970, and this was at a transitory time for the Justice League of America, where uh, this book has the last two crossovers written by Gardner Fox and the first two written by Dennis O'Neill, and the last story that was penciled by Mike uh, Sikowski and the first three that were penciled by Dick Dillon, who became the go-to Justice League uh, uh, penciler for many years. Uh, the stories uh, start out with uh, Justice League 55 and 56, and uh, the, the uh, final two stories are from Justice League of America number 82 and 83. So, uh, with that said, we'll go ahead and get started with uh, the first two-parter. And all of these are two-part stories, so four of them. The Crisis That Struck Earth 2 and The Negative Crisis That Struck Earth 1. And uh, the only thing I'm really going to complain about art-wise in the entire book is the uh, image for uh, Robin's uniform. This is the first... Uh, Justice League crossover to feature the Earth 2 Robin, who is now grown to adult and has taken on an adult costume. However, that costume is just a really uh, awful. Uh, it's, uh, it combines the Batman and the Robin uh, costumes in a way that just really class, uh, clashes. He's got, uh, from the Batman suit, the trunks, the boot, the utility belt, and the uh, gray uh, bodysuit, as well as the blue gloves. But add to that, he's got the yellow clay 
cape and a very high uh, collar. Uh, so it's a ridiculously uh, long cape and his uh, emblem is uh, is a red uh, crest with an R uh, yellow R and uh, the Batman symbol in the middle of it. It is. Uh, it doesn't look uh, good on the cover. It looks a little bit better on the interior, where actually the crest is different. It doesn't have the uh, red uh, uh, circle in there, which makes the thing look a little less busy. But I think the R is. Uh, not very good. Uh, a lot of times during the Silver Age, they would imagine Robin as an adult uh, continuing to fight crime, and they would imagine costumes that just really didn't fit an adult hero. Uh, it would either just be like a Batman costume, but with the number two on it to indicate that he is the second Batman uh, rather than the first original Batman. Why this should matter to criminals, I don't know. But I digressed. Uh, I think the costume in this book is probably one of the worst. But again, that's the only complaint I have about the art in this book. Uh, everything else is fine. Both Sikowski and Dylan really know their stuff. All right, so now the plot, uh, which is... Uh, uh, this begins with black energy orbs striking for average ordinary people and turning them into supervillains who have to be stopped by the JSA. However, when the JSA fights them, uh, they are handily defeated. And so they call in the Justice League of America. The Golden Age Flash isn't in this story, so the way they get the uh, JLA is to send Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt, who has magic powers, to traverse the space between the universe in order to bring back the JLA. And they bring back uh, several members of the JLA, and it turns out the JLA is having a similar problem in their universe and so they'll be glad to help and hopefully get some information on how to help them. Now, the bright plan they come up with was to is to take some more black energy and put it into uh, several uh, superheroes uh, and hope that they can uh, overcome that uh, energy. Uh, and the plan actually ends up working out, again, I think for limited reason. Mainly, I think it comes down to the book's belief in uh, the power of good in the heroes, even when they are infected with uh, evil that ultimately wins the day. Uh, probably the biggest problem I have with this book at the end, uh, this particular story, is what it was these black energy bolts about. Because it produces some very bizarre effects, turns people into not only superpowered beings and removes weaknesses from other superpowered beings or adds power, uh, but it also turns them evil. So what's the story on this? We really are never told. It's just uh, black energy orbs turns uh, people evil and has to be stopped. 
Still, uh, it does come up with some good excuses for hero-on-hero battle and some nice art throughout. So, this is the weakest story in the book, but I still think it's okay. Uh, And it's not a bad read. Uh, Next up is the uh, Return of the Red Tornado, and then T.O. Morrow Kills the Justice League Today. Uh, this, the first part begins with the Red Tornado trying to join the JSA, claiming to be the original, uh, Red Tornado who appeared in the first, uh, Justice Society of America issue. Uh, and, uh, he is rebuffed and pointing out that the, the identity of this, uh, person was actually Ma Hunkel. But, uh, this Red Tornado insists that uh, he is, in fact, the uh, actual Red Tornado and p- tries to push his way into the Justice Society. It turns out that he uh, actually, uh, as he's about, really uh, does uh, ruin everything and put everyone in danger. And that's by design because he is actually an android that was built by... T.O. Morrow, or known as Thomas Morrow. Yes, to Morrow. They spell that pun out pretty well and even use it as the title of the second part. Uh, but uh, because of this, he has a uh, computer that calculates the odds of success and failure and how to affect different outcomes. And so throughout that, the story, he's kind of held hostage to that. He seems to have totally wiped out the Justice Society at the end of the first issue, and so he starts in on the Justice League with a pretty uh, solid attack. He he introduces replicas of their loved ones to trick them so that they can put be put into stasis. Uh, he also uh, attacks them with... Uh, uh, strange uh, monsters and past villains from the uh, Justice League of America. And uh, it does end up coming down to Red Tornado in the end. Uh, this is actually a pretty good story with some nice twist in it. And uh, just, uh, again, some great action and really, really nice art. It's a nice, really epic story. Then we get uh, another two-parter. This is Dennis O'Neill's story, Starlight, Star Bright, Death Star I See Tonight. Uh, no uh, Lucasfilms issue because this was eight years before Star Wars. And then where death uh, fares to tread. And this uh, story takes us uh, actually back quite a while in the history of uh, Earth uh, 2 as the uh, star creature Aquarius is uh, sentenced and exiled by the other intelligent star creatures and is left pretty much powerless until he has an encounter with a star man and uh, is powered up and sets out to attack Earth 2. And uh, the initial signs of the attack include massive personality changes by people that Aquarius is impacting. And uh, the heroes try to battle back on Earth 2, but are ultimately unsuccessful, leading to the seeming destruction of Earth 2. 
with Dr. Fate holding the remaining JSAers alive inside a ectoplasmic bubble while the Red Tornado heads to Earth-1 to get the help of the Justice League. The Justice League uh, comes over, but quickly they find that uh, their friends on Earth-1 don't recognize them. And under control from Aquarius, the heroes fought one another before teaming up to take on Aquarius. This is a really imaginative story. And you get a lot out of it. You do get some hero-on-hero fight, and you also get some team-ups. And it happens in a pretty short space. Uh, So it's really fast-paced, exciting, uh, and uh, just a lot of fun to read. The only downer is the death of Larry Lance, the husband of Donna Lance, the Black Canary who at the end of the story decides to go and live on Earth-1, which is probably an extreme form of grief. But what her death uh, really does uh, signal is that uh, the uh, editors at DC really saw potential for the character outside of annual or semi-annual appearances in these uh, particular uh, team-ups. The final story in the book is... uh, Peril of the Paired Planets, and where Valor uh, fails, will magic triumph. And this story is about a character known as Creator Squared. And Creator Squared wants to create a custom-built planet for his clients. Uh, but in order to meet specifications, he needs raw material, which can be caused by having Earth-1 and Earth-2 uh, vibrate close to, together to destroy both planets and use what's left to make his brand new custom made planet. As a motive, this is actually pretty original for the 19, uh, early 1970s. Uh, and so I like it. And, uh, it's a, it's a good story. What does happen is that what affects a hero on uh, Earth 1 actually affects the uh, counterpart on Earth 2. So something happens to Golden Age Flash Jay Garrick, it affects uh, Silver Age Flash Barry Allen. And uh, the heroes try their best. Green Lantern really has some great scenes. However, in the end, it comes down to the more magic-based heroes, including Johnny Thunder's Thunderbolt and the Spectre to make a difference. And the Spectre just is superb. He uh, comes into the story rather late, but really makes a great impact on it. Uh, Overall, I really enjoyed this book. Uh, If there are aspects to the big comic event stories you enjoy, uh, then uh, this comic is for you. You, uh, With Crisis on Multiple Earths and the uh, team-ups, you get a lot of the big plot ideas that you might get from an event comic, but they're generally uh, quicker, faster-paced, and uh, move uh, through their plot at such a great pace. It's just a lot of excitement and fun to read. So if that sounds like something you'd like, then this is for you. For me, I will gladly give it a rating of classy. All right, well, that will do it for today. Join us uh, next time for another episode of the Classy Comics Podcast. 
In the meantime, send your comment to classycomicsguy at gmail.com. Be sure and rate the show on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at classycomicsguy. From Boise, Idaho, this is your host, Adam Graham, signing off.